Well, bond yields are rising sharply again today. It seems markets are supportive of the Fed going all out to tackle inflation. But will it work? Well, presumably equity markets think the Fed will keep the economy under control because share prices in the US are back on the rise. But there's still the question, could it all lead to recession? One casualty so far is the Japanese yen. What's driving the widening divide between the yen and the dollar? And oil today, it's falling in price. We'll look at why. And the UK CPI today as well. Inflation and more of it. Yes, it's Wednesday, the 23rd of March, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities have been bouncing forwards this morning. The Nasdaq is up almost 2% at close in the U.S. The S&P 500 up 1.1%. The Dow is up 0.7%. Back to mid-February levels in many cases. Uh, bond yields are rising further. Another eight basis points on U.S. 10-year treasuries. That's up 21 basis points since the weekend. But at uh, 2.37%, 10-year yields are less than five years, at, uh, just at 2.38%. In Germany, uh, the bonds have hit 05 UK 10-year gilts are up 7 basis points, and again, 21 or 22 basis points so far this week, uh, but a wider gap between 5 and 10 years, not inverted like uh, we're seeing in the United States. Not much currency movement. The US dollar is largely unmoved on the DXY, but it is up over 1% on the Japanese yen. Uh, Counteracting uh, that, the pound is up 0.6%. The Aussie dollar is up 0.7%, back over 74.5 US cents. Uh, Not much happening in the euro, though, this morning. And oil, is it down or is it up? We never know. Each day, it's a different answer, isn't it? Well, how about an each way bed? Brent is up 0.1%. It was higher than that earlier. Uh, WTI is down 0.3%. But gold, silver, platinum all down this morning. And the VIX index, the volatility index, tells us uh, everything is hunky-dory. It's, it's down to 23 from 36 earlier in the month, which suggests things are settling down. Well, that's certainly not the case with bonds, is it? Let's talk about that with Tapper Strickland uh, joining me this morning from NAB in Sydney. So another day with massive moves on bond yields, Tapper. So um, there's a sell-off going on, isn't there? So a few questions on this. Is this what the Fed wants to see, do you think? Uh, to see two-year yields at almost 2.2%? Does the Fed have any choice now but to follow the market at these rates? And... Uh, Does that mean uh, that the higher these rates go, the more likely they're going to have to do that 50 basis point hike at the the next meeting and possibly the one after? Uh, Good morning, Phil. Yes, you have seen quite a big move in uh, bond yields. And it's just worth reflecting on uh, just into the three weeks to March, the US two-year bond yield is up already 74 basis points. Uh, The 10-year is up 54 basis points. And during that time, US equities are up 3.1%. So I think... Different markets are taking different views in terms of uh, exactly what the implications are um, coming out of recent Fed commentary. And just turning to the bond market first, um, I think what has happened is that the bond market is reacting to what Fed officials are saying, that they're, they're behind the curve. They really want to get back to, to neutral and a consensus is emerging that they want to get towards that two to two and a quarter percent by the end of this year. And when you look at market pricing, markets are pricing in 7.6 more rate hikes at the remaining six meetings. So that implies markets are fairly close to pricing in a 50 basis point hike in May and 50 basis point hike in June, which is what some um, US uh, banks are calling for as well. Uh, In terms of whether the Fed would like that kind of pricing to be reflected, I think they would. I think they really want to get back to um, that kind of neutral stance in terms of policy. And just worth noting, uh, the Fed's bullard was out overnight. I'm talking about how he really wants to get uh, back to neutral. And uh, 
Bullard, who tends to be on the hawkish side, uh, wants to even get higher than that by the end of the year to be mildly restrictive, to put downward pressure on the inflationary impulse out there at the moment. So I think the Fed would be broadly happy in terms of where yields are going from here. I'm sure they would like longer term yields a little bit higher, uh, but obviously the bond market is very wary that uh, the more aggressive the Fed is, particularly in the short term, um, the greater likelihood uh, that they may have to ease policy in the future. And indeed, when you look at um, curves, when you look at euro dollars, um, they're pricing in uh, the chance of the Fed starting to cut rates by mid next year. Um, And I think that's uh, particularly important in terms of where we're seeing um, financial conditions from here. So um, very aggressive tightening up, um, but then some chance that the Fed over tightens uh, towards the back end of next year and possibly eases policy in that environment. Are they though? Are they uh, are they re- they reversing uh, interest rates because the job's done or are they doing it because actually it's not worked out terribly well? I mean, you know, the Fed is saying, look, we've had in the past occasions where we've had a massive increase in rates to try and correct the uh, the economy, and it hasn't uh, seen a recession. But obviously, there's lots of cases in history when that is precisely what happened. Oh, definitely. And I think it's just revealing um, the discussion points in Chair Powell's speech on Monday, and I know you covered it well with uh, Ray, is that there was a specific subtitle saying, how likely is it that monetary policy can lower inflation without causing a recession? And within that kind of context, Chair Powell discussed uh, the the softish landings that occurred in 1965, 1984, and 1994. Um, so he is um, quietly confident that the Fed can engineer a soft landing. And indeed, uh, when you look at the Fed dot plot, um, obviously the Fed funds rate kind of peaks around that 2.8% level and then is able to uh, follow away a little bit um, and to bring it back to a more neutral policy setting. So there are definitely two different views there that um, once the Fed uh, tightens up policy, gets inflation under control, then they can ease back uh, in terms of the amount of tightening. Um, the other view is is that the Fed over tightens and has to ease back uh, quite no. aggressively there. Um, just worth noting though, um, looking at the prior tightening cycles in the US, UK and Eurozone since the late 1970s, um, I think uh, 16 tightening cycles and 13 of those ended in recession. So um, to engineer a soft landing is, is, is very hard and I think markets are likely to be uh, relatively sceptical. But for at least the equity market, um, as I was noting yeah. before, even though yields have gone up, equities have, have gone up as well. And well I think equities are saying to, you could have has a to be soft com- landing. Yeah, it's got to be confidence there's going to be a soft landing, hasn't it? I mean, that, that seems to be saying that. Or, or is it just that, you know, you've got to put your money somewhere. If you pulled it out of bonds, then you, see, you, you look and see a bit of growth because we're seeing it in tech, aren't we? And tech and banks basically are the ones doing uh, uh, well today. For example, Apple is up 2%. Tesla is up 5%. Incidentally, they opened a, a factory in Germany today that's going to create half a million cars, the Gigafactory in Berlin. Uh, so that probably accounts for some of their uh, their share price. But but generally, yeah, I mean, it, 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 they, they are buoyant all of a sudden, the equity markets. Uh, definitely. And uh, it is puzzling a lot of analysts out there in terms of um, the amount of positivity for equities, even though you do have that uh, rising yield environment. So uh, one casualty in all of this uh, from the hawkish Fed seems to be the Japanese yen. It's now at a six-year low against the US dollar, uh, which is not good for Japan, I guess, because it makes fuel. Well, it's good as an export economy, obviously, because it makes their goods cheaper, but it also makes fuel even more expensive for them. So uh, it's not very much a a safe haven this time around, is it? Although I guess you could say, well, it's it's not a... Uh, there's not a lot of risk sentiment around, so perhaps it doesn't warrant it. Uh, Entirely driven, I think, by that interest rate differential there. And obviously, Japan continues to target uh, yields close close to zero. Um, And uh, yeah, as you're noting, um, dollar 
uh, JPY moving above 120 for the first time since 2016. And you'd have to say the momentum is probably a little bit high from here if those mm. US yields continue to lift. Yeah, because nothing's going to happen in Japan. I mean, they don't even have uh, an inflation rate to, to worry about. So, I mean, there's absolutely no concern about rising bond yields. So this differential is going to stay with us for quite some time, isn't it? Possibly oh, forever. In, indeed. And you'd have to say the bias for the yen is for further depreciation. So what about the war? Uh, it's in the, no peace in sight. Uh, the Russians are bombarding Mariupol. Uh, there's nothing left of it, according to President Zelensky. Uh, the Russian Navy is now targeting Odessa. Uh, it's slow going. Russia's facing a lot of casualties. This is going to go on for a long time. Uh, so that raises questions about the European economy, particularly how are they going to face the uh, shortages that they're going to see from all of this. The energy regulator in, in Germany, for example, is investigating the potential for the rationing of gas next winter. And I wonder whether it's it's going to get to that, because when we were going to see prices going up, people can't afford to buy the gas. Uh, so do you support them? If you support them uh, with, uh, with, with some sort of uh, payback or uh, reductions in tax, that doesn't change consumption behavior. If you don't change consumption behavior, um, then you are, you know, you've, you've still got this, uh, big divide between demand and supply. So maybe they're right. Maybe some sort of rationing is going to be the only ultimate conclusion to all of this. Oh, definitely. You're starting to hear more soundings, as you're noting, in terms of potentially rationing demand and, uh, at the same time, there's a little bit of demand destruction happening as well, just given how high gas prices have, have risen as well. So the balancing out between uh, rationing and demand destruction um, will be interesting to see. Um, as you're noting, the European economy is the most exposed to what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. And at least uh, as far as markets are, are concerned, um, they're still taking a little bit of heart in terms of uh, Russia and Ukraine uh, still talking. Um, and uh, although a resolution may not occur in the near term, um, I think uh, the fact that mm. discussions are still occurring, uh, at least in terms of markets' point of view, uh, still has many of them still expecting some kind of agreement. Well, I admire your optimism. And certainly Biden and Putin aren't going to be talking, are they? I mean, Putin is uh, taking great offence at being called a, a war criminal and a murderous dictator, apparently. Yeah, Dmitry uh, Medvedev the uh, Russian from the Russian Security Council is saying uh, Russia has the might to put uh, all of our brash enemies in their place, which sounds a bit a bit ominous, doesn't it? Uh, but look, in amongst all of this, uh, oil f- uh, fallen a little today. Uh, what, what's the story there? Apart from the fact it is like a yo-yo lately, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is like a yo-yo, and obviously all the competing forces that are going on at the moment, and some discussion within the European Union itself on whether to. Um, embargo Russian oil or not mm. embargo Russian oil. And uh, there's been a bit of to, to and fro there. But I think the clear thing is uh, Europe is going to find it very hard to excrete yeah. itself from Russian oil and gas. So you think that's why? I mean, they just Europe can't get its act together. So oil prices fallen as a consequence because there's still going to be that demand uh, and that supply. Uh, look, uh, UK CPI numbers are out today. Uh, in January, it was 5.5% year on year. The Bank of England, of course, uh, last week said they expect it could reach 8% this spring, possibly 10% later in the year. So th- this is just the beginning of the curve, it would seem. Oh, yeah, definitely. And those inflation figures will be watched very closely, just given uh, last week's uh BOE meeting had that dovish hike with uh, a lot of uncertainty exactly uh, to what degree those price rises would crimp demand and do a lot of the job for the BOE. Uh, before the BOE had had to hike itself. Um, and just going on back to your earlier comment about uh, rationing and possible demand destruction, I think uh, within that environment, um, those kind of things are going to be looked at quite closely. Uh, the consensus for core inflation uh, is for it to rise to 5% year-on-year from uh, 4.4% previously. Um, also in the UK, we get the uh, UK budget statement as well, uh, delivered by the mm. 
Chancellor. So I think it's going to be looked at quite closely um, in terms of uh, different measures to possibly uh, provide a little bit of support to households and businesses as they're confronted with uh, really high energy costs. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be the case in lots of parts, Australia included, of course. How do we make sure there's not this budgetary squeeze so that people can keep on spending and uh, the economy doesn't take a downturn? Uh, in, indeed, and uh, when you look at the AFR this morning, um, there's a report saying the federal government is likely to contain measures to directly deal with high petrol prices and uh, floating either a temporary reduction in the fuel excise tax or a freeze on its indexation. It's indexed uh, uh, twice a year. Um, and that's a little bit of a pivot from a couple of weeks ago when the government seemed to be pushing away from from that. Um, at least in Australia, um, that shouldn't have too much of an impact in terms of the budget, in terms of Australia's AAA credit rating. Um, Standard & Paul's noted yesterday uh, that because Australia has run a consistent and persistent uh, current account surplus that reduces the need to um, to uh, strive towards a balanced budget, and that uh, budget deficits of around two point four percent of GDP are fully consistent with the AAA credit rating. Yeah, we, it does seem to be everywhere, doesn't it? A lot of fly by the seat of the pant policy at the moment, doesn't it? Sort of stuff that wasn't considered two weeks ago uh, is now uh, front and centre. Look, uh, it's uh, fairly quiet apart from those uh, CPI numbers from the UK today, isn't it? Although more central bank speakers today. Uh, but, it's, but I think we've heard everything there is to say for now, haven't we? Uh, definitely. The, the, the two key messages from the Fed um, over the past couple of weeks is they want to get to neutral and they see neutral at a, between two and a quarter to 2.4 some of them want to get there by the end of this year some want to get there by early next year and then the real question is do they go into restrictive territory or or, or not and if they go into restrictive territory um, how much will the economy slow within that environment Mm. yeah does it work yeah all right very good catch you again soon thanks tapas cheers Uh, thanks phil and that's the morning call this wednesday morning i'm phil dobby for now back again tomorrow morning with another one thanks for listening in see you then 